Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 242 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. The Super Bowl is here, folks. Kicking off in Vegas in a couple of days, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your Super Bowl betting needs, whether it's odds, props, you name it. Bet Online has it, and not just the Super Bowl, NBA season, NHL season, Major League Baseball futures, politics, entertainment, you name it. Bet Online has you covered. Head to Bet Online today. Get in on the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. With that said, episode 242 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Episode 242 for the love of the game on the Bleed Podcast Network with yours truly. It's ATH back in the saddle, back behind the mic on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm not going to lie. I thought this monologue was going to sound a little bit differently. I purposely waited until after the Knicks played the Lakers. Knicks entering Saturday night's game in Madison Square Garden against the Lakers on a nine-game winning streak. And... They ended up falling to the Lakers at home, 113-105. There was no OG Ananobi. Obviously, Julius Randle's out with a shoulder injury. No Quentin Grimes. So they were down three of their main rotation players. And after the Lakers sat LeBron James and Anthony Davis Thursday night against Boston, where they still got a win, impressive win by the Lakers, you kind of knew that the Knicks – we're going to be facing LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron talks about how much he loves playing in Madison Square Garden. No one really gives a shit, but whatever. I'm not going to lie. I Going into the night, I had a, a, a bad feeling in a sense that I didn't think the Knicks were going to win. I just thought they were out, man. They're, they're riding a nine-game winning streak. No OG Ananobi, who would have been the primary defender for LeBron James. And I I just thought it was just a little too much to ask. And then the first half is unfolding. After Dante DiVincenzo has been up and down, Jalen Brunson has been absolutely stellar. First half. Josh Hart can't really make outside shots, but yet somehow the Knicks have scrapped and clawed their way to a 59-59 score at the end of the first half. And I'm thinking, wow, this team may pull it out, and I'm about to go buck wild on this monologue. I'm about to celebrate. I'm about to go crazy because not only would the Knicks have won 10 straight games, but they would have beaten the Lakers, and I can't stand the fucking Lakers. Can't stand LeBron James. I can't stand Anthony Davison's flopping ass, soft as Charmin. But, yeah, that's, that's not what happened. 113-105 Lakers. Davis was sensational on defense. You know, just the rim protection was fantastic. They basically were doubling Brunson at half court. 
in the second half. Somehow he still managed to shoot 15 for 31, 36 points, 10 assists, still a masterful game, but the Knicks could not generate any offense down the stretch. They went six and a half minutes without scoring. You're not going to win games like that. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a bummer that the Knicks dropped a home game to the Los Angeles Lakers uh, led by LeBron James, which, again, I, I don't particularly enjoy his uh, his work. But that's not the point here. The point is, is that looking at the big picture with this Knicks team, are they as good as a team that's won nine straight and 15 of their last 18 games. I'm not so sure because that's a really, really, really good team. Are they better than the team that was 17 and 15 at one point? Yes. So there's somewhere in between. And right now, if you were to tell yourself, and even the most pessimistic Knicks fan or the most realistic Knicks fan that I would consider myself, that this team, the way it's currently constructed, can win the Eastern Conference, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not. Even if they don't make any deals at the deadline, this current Knicks team, assuming everybody's healthy, can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and potentially win the East. Call me crazy, but I, I, I truly believe this. I mean, this is coming off the news that Joel Embiid has a partially torn meniscus that's getting repaired. So the Philadelphia 76ers will probably slide down. He's going to miss an extended amount of time. The Milwaukee Bucks have been up and down. They're still feeling themselves out with Doc Rivers' coach. They've kind of been a mess. They're the two seed. Okay, so those are your two major, major, you know, obstacles in the Eastern Conference. I know the Miami Heat have been up and down. I still think they're going to get it together and be a formidable team. Uh, I'm still scared of them, even though right now I do think the Knicks are probably better in the seven-game series than the Heat, but the Heat are still formidable. I, I don't care what the record says. But I think they're going to figure it out. The Boston Celtics, I understand what the analytics say. I understand what the stats say. They don't scare me, okay? They don't. They're just a little soft. And they, they don't have a ruggedness and a toughness that this Knicks team has. So the East right now is ripe for the taking. And I truly believe that even if the Knicks don't make a trade, and again, I'd like them to get some bench scoring. It would be nice. Even though as much as I like Deuce McBride, even though I like Quentin Grimes, I've been a Quentin Grimes defender, and I'd like for the coaching staff and the system to empower those guys to make plays, to be aggressive. I do think they need a little bit of scoring punch off the bench. But even if they didn't do anything, you know, a backup big would be nice because we're not sure about Mitchell Robinson. But again, even if they didn't do anything, after the OG Ananobi trade, the thought of the Knicks winning the Eastern Conference is not out of the realm of possibility. And for me to just say that is a testament to how fantastic Jalen Brunson has been. Jalen Brunson, 
26-year-old point guard, was just named to his first all-star game. Probably should be starting in the game. I mean, right now, he's just been on an absurd stretch. I mean, for the season, just over 27 points a game, shooting 41% from three, six and a half assists a game, just leading the team. He's kind of gotten a feel for what the team needs when the team needs it in terms of whether it's making the hit-ahead pass, whether it's just going into his own isolation game. He's been awesome, absolutely awesome. I know I was on record when they signed him. I thought it was an overpay. I didn't think Jalen Brunson was going to be an all-NBA player. And to pay that percentage of the salary cap at the time for somebody who wasn't going to sniff an all-NBA team, that's what I said at the time, was an overpay. Well, it turns out he took those words and shoved them right in my face because right now Jalen Brunson is on pace to make an all-NBA team. And if you had a ballot today, he'd be top five in MVP voting. This team is the fourth seed in the East. And it's led by Jalen Brunson. And just the epitome of what this team is was the win Thursday night, the comfort behind win Thursday night against the Indiana Pacers, a game they had no business winning. Undermanned, just won eight straight, tying them with the 90s Knicks for like the longest win streak in team history, something like that. They come out flat, they get down 14 points. And Brunson wills them back. He wills them to win, puts up a 40-piece, has a masterful game. And against that team who's in the mix for the Eastern Conference playoffs, and given the history that is the Knicks and the Indiana Pacers, that was a big, big time win. And good teams, really good teams, win games that they are not supposed to win when they don't have it. And that's a major reason why that is, is because they have a guy who's having an absolutely special year who's not going to let them lose on a given night. And yeah, he wasn't able to finish the job against the Lakers when we thought that he was going to be able to. But that win Thursday night against the Pacers told me a lot about this Knicks team. Knicks fans, dare to dream. Dare to dream. It's not out of the realm of possibility because right now the Eastern Conference is in flux. So why not us? Why not? I know I'm saying this coming off a loss, but that loss Saturday night didn't change anything for me in terms of how I feel about this. Why not the New York Knicks? Assuming they're all back and healthy. Because I'll tell you this, and as much as I don't like Tibbs, and I think he's limited, as much as I don't like Randall, and he's limited, the Eastern Conference is a little weird this year, and I know that the Knicks are going to play hard every single night, and I have faith in Jalen Brunson being able to come up big in big games. He was great in the playoffs last year. Under the bright lights of Madison Square Garden, he was great in the playoffs last year, and he's just gotten better this year. So. I can't believe I'm here, but I'm here. I am giving my full emotions to this team. I'm ready to have my heart ripped out because the New York Knicks 
have a legitimate chance to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And once you're there, why not us? Was I saying this two and a half weeks ago? No. No, I wasn't. I would have called anybody who was crazy. But they've earned it. They've earned it. I know what you're going to say. You know, their record against teams above 500 is not great right now. But it's a completely different team since the OG Ananobi trade. It's a different team. And they've had good wins since the OG Ananobi trade. Minnesota, Denver, Indiana, just to name a few. Philadelphia, with Joel Embiid, healthy, by the way. They've had really good wins since that trade. It's a different team. This current team can win their Eastern Conference. I'm not saying they will. I'm not going to go that far. But it's in the realm of possibility. Now, as the trade deadline gets closer, who do I want them to get? A, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon would be great. Somebody who can come off the bench and give them a little bit of a scoring punch. I think he can even play with guys like Grimes and McBride if you're still trusting them in the rotation, which I think the Knicks should do. I don't want Jordan Clarkson. That's a hard pass. The guy is not my kind of player. No thanks. A guy like Terry Rozier would have been nice, but he's in Miami. I know the Knicks have been linked to P.J. Washington. Would be a nice backup big, but I'm not sure that that's really a, a position of superb need, assuming Mitchell Robinson gets back. Because I do like the minutes Precious Achua has given them. But yeah, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon would be my number one target. But even if they don't do anything, I feel confident about this team. And I'm shocked that I'm here. Can't believe that I'm saying this, but here I am. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. And I am not just saying it because I'm riding the high off of a nine-game winning streak. I I honestly believe it, given the landscape of the Eastern Conference. Anyway, we are going to bring on a recurring guest to do Super Bowl props a week from today. And we may have a second guest, a recurring guest, to talk a little bit more about the Knicks, and we'll get to them in just a matter of moments. But Knicks fans, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Let your guard down. It's okay. Enjoy the ride. So I teased it in the monologue. We're running it back again this year. Recurring guest Avi Wexler is back. We did our prop bets last year. If I remember correctly, we did nicely on our prop bets. What's good, bud? How you doing? Happy to be back. Best time of the year. Super Bowl prop bets. Best sporting event of the year. I can't wait to jump into it with you. Can't believe Mahomes is back here, but I guess that's the norm. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's only four times in six years as a starter. I mean, really normal stuff. We'll we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But before we do that, considering my New York Knicks are 15 and three in their last 18 games um, and the Eastern Conference is a little bit in flux, as I said in the monologue. How do you feel about your Celtics right now? Because I'll tell you this, I ain't scared. I mean, that's it's it's amazing that you're not scared um, because we're going through the only rough patch of our season so far, and we're still kind of cruising. And given the state of the rest of the Eastern Conference, I'd say I'm not worried about it, and I would love to play the Knicks in, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. You ready for a bar fight? I'm, a, I'm absolutely ready for Jason it. Jason Tatum's not ready for a bar fight. Jalen Brown ain't ready for a bar fight. I, I don't know. Jalen Brown, Christoph definitely. ready for a bar fight. Uh, Joe Missoula is. ready for a bar fight. I'll tell you, Joe Missoula 100% is ready for a bar fight. I just saw a video of Christoph. He doesn't play. 
I know, I know. But that's the thing. If there's one guy to get ready for war, it's Joe. I don't know how good he is on the X's and O's, but he's he's a he's a psychopath. So maybe that maybe that'll maybe that'll work in our favor. I don't know. I'll tell you this: if you asked me that three weeks ago, my answer would have been a lot different. But shout out to the New York Knicks. I talked about it on the podcast, but even after they lost the Lakers and really hurt my feelings. You know, good things had to come to an end, but it's it, this is a gritty bunch, and we'll we'll get to the Eastern Conference playoffs in a little bit. But right now, we got to talk about the Super Bowl before we get into the prop bets. Thoughts on the game, what you're seeing from both sides, just when when you you know found out what the matchup was, what were your initial thoughts? Uh taking out my my patriots fandom because that dynasty is come and gone now i think we can safely say uh but and a new uh, one has arisen <laughs> and a new one has arisen it seems it's crazy to me that based on how the chiefs have gone through this regular season and the playoffs and based on how the niners have come on the last couple of weeks i don't really understand why mahomes is the underdog by two two and a half points right now i think it's at two and a half uh, that seems like that's free money. Um, that being said, the Niners are a wagon. <laughs> so yes, they've been a bit uneasy in the last couple of matchups in the playoffs, but they showed that they can actually come back from double-digit deficits uh, in playoff games, which is something that they haven't been able to do uh, in recent years. So I guess they have the mental toughness that maybe some were skeptical of them having. Uh, that being said, I just, this is like, this is going to be a very, tight game and it's a very different game than last year when the chiefs were in the super bowl and mahomes was on basically one leg for the whole second half so assuming mahomes and hoping mahomes stays healthy uh i think this game is going to come right down to the wire and whoever has the ball last is going to win my lean on the game when i saw the opening line at two and a half and it's gone up and down a little bit it's fluctuated a point i think now it's settled at again the niners minus two and a half was I I want to take the Niners. And as we talk this through, I'm going to give my official f- official pick on this. And by the way, just to remind everybody, I'm 10 and 2 against the spread this uh this postseason. Oh. I'm on oh. yeah, I, I I'm on an unbelievable run right now, which I may never have again in my life, but whatever. Um, I want to take the Niners, but 15 is 10 0 and 1 against the spread as an underdog and three and oh, this playoffs. Some are saying he's the, some are saying he's the Tobin, he's the Aaron Tobin Hess of, of, of the playoffs. I mean, well, that's not true. If you, if you followed my uh, bucket Mondays, I've had (laughs) rough losses in the finals and right now we're Oh, and two, and I really don't want to talk about it. It's incredibly frustrating, but yeah, (laughs) like, I mean, just the way the chiefs have kind of, evolved right like you know it it all started with letting Tyreek Hill walk and given how important receivers today you're just like why would they ever let him walk you know he's one of the the five best players at his position right now he's probably the the best or the second best after this season but why would you let him walk Mm -hmm. and they did it to free up cap space for young talent and they were able to draft guys like Karloftis and Sneed and now they have the best defense you know, that Mahomes has ever had. Kelsey has found the fountain of youth in the playoffs. And Mahomes, while his numbers are not great, and in terms of just being gaudy like they have been in the past, 
he's just as good as he's ever been. Yep. And I, I just, I know I, the public is probably all over the Chiefs. I would assume that 75 to 80% of the public is betting the Chiefs. And normally it's like, a, it's a good idea to fade the public, mm-hmm. but I'm having a hard time getting there. Mm-hmm. He's like inevitable. I mean, he is. Just yeah. as a comparison to, to your guy, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. in their first seven seasons as, you know, you know, quarterbacks and six as starters, Brady's 82 and 26 win-loss, including the playoffs. Mahomes, 87 and 25. Brady averaged tw- 225 yards a game. Mahomes, 296. Brady has... Three Super Bowl wins and three appearances. Mahomes has two, maybe three, and four appearances right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is sickening. How good this guy is! It's unbelievable. I, I I can't believe it. The fact that I think after that Christmas Day loss to the Raiders, um, I was like, "There's no way the Chiefs are going to be a threat in the playoffs because the offense just isn't there." And as solid as the defense has been, I just don't know how they're going to put points up. And then look at the run that they've been on this past postseason. If you had to put it up against like other Tom Brady uh, quarterback matchups, you have to look at it. It's pretty impressive. I don't, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what Brady's best postseason quarterback matchups have been if you go game by game. Um, But this one, I mean, this was first round. You're playing uh, the Dolphins with Tua. And I know that the Dolphins fell off as the year went on. They had injuries, but still. They beat they beat the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill. Uh, the next game they Tua go led the league in passing yards for for whatever right. you want to say about the guy. Like he's no right. he's no slouch. Right, and then Josh Allen in the divisional round, who he just continues to own. That's like his version of I guess that's Brady's version of like Ben Roethlisberger or Philip Rivers. I guess just is never is always going to beat him as good as Josh Allen is, and arguably the MVP of the league because of how much the team revolved around him, especially in that second half surge. And then last week going against the most likely two-time MVP now, Lamar Jackson. So if you had to, and now it's going to be against, against Brock Purdy. So, you know, people who had him as an MVP finalist, you know, I would disagree with it. I'd probably lean, you know, other guys, but still a good quarterback, nonetheless, doesn't make a lot of mistakes and has shown that he can actually win in the postseason just in two, uh, just in two years as a, as a seventh round, Mr. Relevant. So this postseason run, despite the fact that they're leading on their defense a lot, Mahomes has been making the plays when they needed to, even if it's just in the first half, like in two weeks ago against the Ravens, he's made those plays when they need them. And that's why it's really hard to bet against them because he's being so efficient. He's not reckless at all. That's the craziest part. No turnovers. It's unbelievable. And he knows, and he knows like if you, if you saw the Ravens game, yes, I'm, I'm sure you did. Like you noticed that, he just wasn't going to take a chance after they got the first two drives and he saw how his defense was playing. It was like, they are not going to get in this game no. unless I make a mistake. So I am not going to make a mistake. And the only reason he took that deep shot at the end of the game to MVS was because he had been playing it so safe. They they figured it out and they, they called the, the deep ball what was it? Fourth down, right? I think it was like fourth and one. They called the deep ball to MVS to ice the game. And that's all she wrote. And as I said, after, after the games were over in that monologue, like he's the only guy who gets that play called for him. Yeah. Because you have the ultimate trust in him to, to not make a mistake. Yep. 
and it's what else can you say about the guy? Yeah, I mean, in the throw itself, just quickly, I mean, the throw itself, it's like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I make this throw where only either MVS catches it or he doesn't. And most of the time, as we all know, MVS does not catch it. But in the last two playoff games that MVS played, he had two huge catches against the Bills and he had that big game ceiling catch against the uh, against the Ravens. So, I mean, credit to him. He's believing in his guys just enough and he's not pressing on them too much to make plays. And he just relies on himself to do it. Really. When we get to prop bets, we're going to yeah. get to MVS because there are a couple of props with him that I really, really like. I wanted to ask you on the flip side, um, the 49ers, they have the most complete roster in the, in the NFL. Uh, yes. I've said it all year round. I, I, even after they lost the Ravens, I thought that they were the best team in football from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And a part of me wants them to win because it validates the season, right? It validates that you were the best and that the regular season really matters. But because of that, there's been a lot of Brock Purdy discourse that I vehemently disagree with. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on the Brock Purdy spectrum? I think he's fine. I think he's just a serviceable quarterback that when you surround him with Hall of Fame talent, both on both sides of the ball with uh with as equal as a Hall of Fame resume type of coach in Kyle Shanahan, maybe not in the wins and Super Bowl postseason success category, but in terms of what he's done offensively and schematically, where every offense essentially is copying him. And regardless, he seems to find a way to be as successful as he is. If you just follow his template and you have all those guys with you, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, and obviously the real MVP, Chris, Christian McCaffrey. I I can't say that there's going to be too much riding on Purdy when all he has to do is just, you know, call the play and not audible and not make any crazy mistakes. When they lost in that Ravens game, that was Purdy's worst career game. He threw four interceptions. And I think in my opinion, at least it was a, hey, uh, we this is an outlier game. Purdy's never going to really be in another situation where you're going to be playing that dynamic of a defense with this many turnovers. So I think Purdy's fine. Would I take him over 20 quarterbacks in the league? Probably, but he's not the type of quarterback where I'm looking like, wow, he makes some amazing throws or some amazing decisions. It's hard to really see where Purdy is making the lives easier of his players and the offense, as opposed to other quarterbacks like Mahomes, Josh Allen, so-and-so. So I'm I'm like lukewarm on Purdy, but like I, I don't think he's anything special in my opinion. Here's what I'll say about Purdy. And I am more of a Purdy believer than most. Mm. Uh, first of all, it's his second year in the league. All yeah. right. Let's let's not forget that it's this is year two, right? Okay. His first full year as a starter, and he's been to the NFC title game back-to-back years. All right. The other thing is you, you want to talk about how he, you know, is surrounded by all this great talent, and he is. But it's not like he's just throwing the ball five yards and these guys are taking it the distance. Like he was top five in the league in yards per attempt. He was top five in the league in rating. Like all these, all these stats, like he was really good at. And, you know, he does throw with anticipation better than most. He, yes. And you saw like the whole thing was like the Niners formula is they get out to a lead. And once they get out to a lead, they suffocate you. But, mm-hmm. you know, they allow their, their great offensive line and their run game to, to suffocate you. But if they get down, they have trouble winning games. He's had two straight come from behind playoff victories to get them here, right? And and he's made a lot of those plays with his legs. He, I mean, he was the best player in the game 
in the NFC title game in the second half, by far, throughout either team. So I just, the slander of from guys like Cam Newton and a couple of these knuckleheads on ESPN, Cam Newton's always slandering him because he couldn't sniff Brock Purdy's jock right now, and Brock Purdy was a better thrower of the football than Cam Newton ever was, but whatever. I, I just, the Brock Purdy slander is to me so over the top ridiculous. Yeah. I, I it's, he's such like a classic fine quarterback where the, the traits aren't necessarily there, but the decision-making, whether that be because of the play designs and the players around him are there, will kind of cloud it. But I don't think he'll ever be a guy with the elite traits and the abilities like some of those other guys. That oh, being God, said, guys are in the league. Right, right, of course. He's on a tier himself. Right. Allen, Burrow are on a tier to themselves below Mahomes. And then Lamar Jackson's kind of put himself in another tier. C.J. Stroud, I think, will enter the Lamar Jackson tier. Okay. Herbert. I mean, you know. And then the step below is like the Herbert, you know, has tons of talent. Lawrence, tons of talent. But like Brock Purdy's better than Dak Prescott. Brock Purdy's better than Jalen Hurts. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I look, you know, what's interesting though. It is crazy that if I'll ask you this, if you remember the Niners team last year, when Brock was a rookie, they lose in the NFC title game because he gets hurt essentially. Right. Like he gets hurt. And then they had Josh Johnson and whatever it, this could have been a super bowl rematch basically with all the same pieces. Essentially. If, if you could go back in time and say this, would you have picked the Niners over against Mahomes last year? Because both teams are essentially the same minus a couple parts on offense for, mm-hmm. uh, for the chiefs. Cause that's kind of what I'm looking at. Cause for me, I would say if you just base it on that alone, then I probably would have taken the Niners in the Super Bowl over Mahomes last year. And for that reason, I would take the Niners again this year. I think the chiefs from start to finish were more impressive last year. Yes. Than they were this year. So I don't think the Niners would have been favored. Because remember, the Chiefs were favored against the Eagles last year. Right. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure. I've had a pretty good feel of get on picking these games against the spread. And yep. this one, I, I, I really go back and forth because – you know, the Niners do have the most complete team in football, but their deficiencies are in the secondary. And aside for Bosa, their high-priced defensive linemen have kind of come and gone. Like, they've had, they've been streaky. They haven't been consistent. And right. you have to be on, you know, firing on all cylinders to beat 15. Yeah. That being said, though, I'll say this. Like, the secondary weakness for the Niners, I don't think it matters as much only because of the Chiefs' offensive skill position players, which really has been, okay, can we get the ball? As you said earlier, can we get the ball to score quickly early on, and then we're just going to try to hold our lead. We're not going to do anything crazy. And I think that's going to kind of come down. That's going to be the key. Does do the Chiefs does the Chiefs offense have enough to match whatever the Niners can do on offense? Because as good as the Niners are offensively, we know that Spagnolo has been an inc- on an incredible run in the postseason with taking away some of the better players and holding teams to score. That being said, 
this team, the Niners, is really good at running the ball, as we know with Christian McCaffrey, but their quarterback is probably a better passer than Lamar Jackson, and that kind of was what the result was at the end of the Ravens game, the AFC Championship game. Can the Chiefs match the Niners when their defense isn't necessarily as accountable as they have been in the past? The last Super Bowl last year, the final score was 38 to 35. I mean, the Chiefs and the Chiefs got set, spotted seven points on that Nick Bolton fumble return. So as good as Spagnolo is, our better offense is going to give that good defense trouble. I'd say the Niners defense, the Niners offense is better than last year's Eagles offense, and they put up 35. So it's essentially the same defense that you're playing against. I think that's what it's going to come down to for me. So I, I'm with you on how do you pick against Mahomes, but the Niners team is so good. So what what's your what's your official prediction against the spread? You're going Kansas City plus two and a half? I'm gonna go Kansas City plus two and a half. And I'm gonna I, I would also take the over personally. I just it's, hard, it's so hard. It's so hard to bet against Mahomes. Like if you if you match up if you match up the coaches versus the quarterbacks, the skill positions and the defenses, I think it really just at the end of the day will come down to which quarterback makes the better plays and which quarterback can make up for other plays. And like Brady, Mahomes is just such an equalizer that he can just get so much done when you think all hope is lost. So it's hard to bet against them not covering. And and look, he's 10-1-1 in his lifetime against the spread in the playoffs. So he's not even saying he wins, but it'll at least be a close game, you know? I'm going to take – I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Kansas City plus two and a half, two. That's going to be my official prediction. And as we get to the prop bets, because it's interesting. If you like San Francisco, there are some interesting prop bets to make. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll get to them in a sec, but I'm going to take Kansas city plus two and a half and a Kansas city plus two and a half with the under is a nice little parlay Yeah, and Kansas city plus Kansas city to win with Mahomes winning the MVP is probably, you know, really good value if you like the chiefs. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I also like, and I mean, for you, I'm still struggling with you too on the, on the overall pick, like on the money line pick, but if you wanted to say Kansas city plus two and a half and Niners money line, that's also a very nice pick. It depends on how you want to play it. And that's honestly where, how Vegas reads it, but the, but the money on that's actually pretty value on that's pretty good. So what are, so we'll, we'll go back and forth here in terms of some, some prop bets. It, a lot of mine have to do with the actual, you know, players, player props and one two point conversion props. So your favorite, your favorite bet right now, we'll go, we'll go back. Uh, we'll go one and one. Sure. What, what are you kicking it off with? I, I like, I think it's like the, the value on this is like, always very good and for me it's especially with these two teams both teams to score a touchdown and a field goal in each half you uh, like that thing. that's always i think that's always worthy just because super bowl teams will be a little more conservative especially in the first half and then as we saw last year it ended on a it ended on a field goal too so you know i i and and i think both kickers are very good i think moody had a really solid year i know he missed one in the championship game but otherwise he's been good uh, and then, I mean, Butker also is nails too. So I, I like, I like that every time I also, I mean, I'll, I'll let, yeah, sorry. I'll let you go next. So my first is I like, I like this bet. I don't think it hit last year, but mm-hmm. a successful two point conversion mm-hmm. plus two sixty five Yes. And to piggyback off that, a two point attempt plus one fifteen. Obviously we've seen teams go for two way more than ever before. Yep. I can't believe it, you know, a successful attempt is, is that much in the, the plus money side. So yeah, 
So that's my first selection. Okay. Successful two-point conversion, yes, at plus 265. And if you're going to bet that, you obviously bet a two-point conversion attempt at plus 115. Yeah. Now, I, I have another one for you. And it's close to the and it's it's attached to the two point conversion, but I think uh, it's a it's a DraftKings special, um, but uh, that an octopus gets scored. For, so for those who aren't aware, that's when a player scores the touchdown, and they're also the one who scores the two point conversion. So if you want, you can get very good value on that too. That's at plus fourteen hundred at least on oh, DraftKings. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I could easily see if we think McCaffrey or Pacheco. And it's a two-point conversion. You're just on the two-yard line. Easy. I could see a Kelsey situation, or just later in the second half, where a team thinks that they need to go for two to, you know, play the play the possessional value game. But yeah, I like I like that play a lot too. Rock Purdy over 12 and a half rushing yards. I like it. I like it a lot. I like this one a lot. You saw yeah. it at the end of the the game against the Lions. 48 yards in the second half. Obviously, remember. If he gets sacked, that's against that's against his no, that's against his passing yards, right? But he could be running and he could get lost. You have chance for loss of yardage, but I like Brock Purdy over his rushing yards. I also mm-hmm. like Mahomes over twenty five and a half rushing yards for him too. I like that a lot too. I I like a lot of these rushing props. Yeah, the one that scares me a little bit is the McCaffrey. One, but the Chiefs are very bad against the run. And it's weird to me that in the AFC Championship game, the Ravens didn't continue with the run, considering that was their strength all year. Not just Five rushing Lamar, but other guys. It was so weird. It was such a weird game. I, I didn't understand that at all. I know they kind of got iced out in the first half, and that's kind of where the score came from. And I guess led to some of the decisions, but it was a really weird decision for them offensively to not run more on this team. With And with the Niners, the Niners have given up over 100 yards rushing in both of the last two playoff games. So, I mean, I love the, I just love the way that, that Pacheco runs. I, it's not the most pretty, but it's really fun. And I just think they're definitely, there was that play in the NFC championship game where I think it was the end around run, or it was the Jameer Gibbs touchdown run where the Niners just kind of gave up on the play when there was like 10 yards to go between the end zone. Not great like, take right. for Chase Young. It was, it yeah, was bad. Yeah, video. bad. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so there are a lot of those, I like, for example, I really like Pacheco over 67 and a half Me rushing too. yards. I had that right. circled. Me too. I but also I actually I like oh. McCaffrey under. Oh, interesting. One and a half rushing yards. Okay, and well, like, and I like him under his attempts, and I mm. think it's seventeen and a half. Okay. I like. Um, do you like the the combo, the rushing and receiving yards ones? Because for me, those are always fun. So I would play if I'm playing McCaffrey. I would play his over receiving yards. Yeah, at like 33 and a half and is under rushing yards at 91 and a half because because we talked about Spagnolo mm-hmm. keying in on a guy. Now he's the guy, right? You know the Niners want to run the ball, so he's gonna key on that and force Purdy to make plays to Ayuk and and to Debo, but even more so Ayuk in terms of stretching the field. Yeah. And if you notice, like McCaffrey's rushing attempts. He's very rarely over, you know, in and around 20 rushing attempts lately. Like usually it's like 15, 16. Now, if you like him in the receiving game to break like a wheel route, you know, if he breaks a 20, 25 yard wheel route, then the 33 and a half is, it should be sitting right there. Yeah. Sitting right there. So that's what I would play McCaffrey. Um, Yeah. 
under the 91 and a half rushing yards over the receiving yards. I like Pacheco over 67 run and a half rushing yards, which means I like the Mahomes under on the passing yard total 265 mm. and a half, because I just think it's going to be a run heavy game and, and low scoring. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of afraid of the Mahomes over under passing total because I know that the Niners secondary is a lot more susceptible, but in the last two playoff games, Mahomes really only threw the ball in the first half and he hasn't even gone to like 250 yards in the last, in those last two games. And I just think it's one of those games where they're going to rely on short passes. They don't really have the guys that can beat them deep consistently. Like we've seen with, with the chiefs in the past, as you know, and I think it's going to be a lot more of Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, just to move the chains, not necessarily in plays where they're going to make big yards after catch kind of plays. Unlike in my opinion, the, the Niners, which are, you know, any screen pass can go the distance when you have guys like Debo. So I, I like under on Mahomes passing yards, but I also like the over on Debo rushing and receiving yards. Debo's rushing yards are at 16 and a half on the year. I think that's pretty fairly priced, but in the but I think the whole reason with the Niners is they've been cautious so that they can have Debo, who's really probably the X factor for the Niners, as amazing as McCaffrey is. When Debo's on the field, their production is so much better as we've seen, as opposed to when he's off the field. So, you know, it's last game of the season, Super Bowl, winner go home. I think they're going to give the ball to Debo more so that they can kind of confuse Spagnolo, maybe send McCaffrey out and come back in, or maybe just a couple fakes. So I like the Debo over rushing yards and his over rushing receiving total as well. What's the total for rushing and receiving? What's the, I have um, to double check here because I actually wrote it down incorrectly, but his rushing total was at 16 and a half and his receiving total was at 78 and a half. So uh, if you just give me one quick sec, I can. Oh, so it's what? What is that? 90, 95 and a half? Yeah. So on FanDuel right now, his over rushing and receiving total is 80 and a half. So I feel like that's a smash over because for rushing and receiving for Debo, that, that seems like a no brainer. I know we said that the, the passing totals may be down. Yeah. But there is a receiving yards over that I really like. Mm. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Oh boy. 19 and a half receiving yards. I like the over, you know, the, the Kansas city wide receivers don't run intermediate routes. Mm -hmm. They either take screens or they just run verts or posts. MVS has run a lot of, you know, um, verts and posts. Yeah. And he just needs to catch one (laughs) and, and you're there and that's it. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I, yeah, it's so with MVS, you're right. It just takes one play. I'm, I like his over. And I also kind of like the Ayuk under on receiving yards only because Legere Sneed has probably been the best cornerback in the playoffs that he's just been locking guys down uh, every which, every which way. And I know that the Ravens don't have as high profile players as the Niners do. And maybe that's some cause where you can fade the chiefs uh, defense, but I'd still say, based on how good Spagnolo is, and knowing that, as you said before, Purdy's a guy who throws with anticipation, I would say that they kind of focus more on the Debo, Kittle, and uh, McCaffrey uh, outputs as opposed to Ayuk, who could definitely break them off. But as we saw even in the NFC Championship game, it came down to a large 50-yard play off the top of the defender's head that Ayuk ended up catching, which was a huge part of their reason for production and winning. So I would take under Ayuk 63 and a half to knowing that or if you're in a line with under on the passing yards too. I'm going to piggyback off of MVS. Mm-hmm. 
MVS to have the longest reception is mm. plus 800. Okay. I really like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you do a little combo. You go over receiving yards and you have him to catch the longest pass of the game. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Plus 800. I, I, I like that one a lot. It was, it was interesting. It's uh, it, it, it spoke to me. It's like, it's weird. Like I, I'm with you. I don't want to touch the Mahomes props too much. Yeah. Because it can go either way with him. Like he can have an unbelievable game thrown for 220 yards and yeah. he can also just go crazy because he's awesome. And we've seen him go crazy a lot. So I wouldn't want to touch him, you know, Purdy, same kind of thing. Um, so I, I'm trying to find interesting value plays outside of the quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I like this one too, that FanDuel gives you the option to it's uh you can bet on each team's first touchdown scorer. So I took the two, in my opinion, the two most obvious ones, which would be McCaffrey and Kelsey. If you combine that, that's plus 896, which, yeah. And that's just for each of them to score their own individual's first team touchdowns. If you wanted to go down the route of first total touchdown score, I think that's a pretty good way of also maybe indicating who's going to win. As we've seen with the Chiefs, if they score first, they have been winning, right? That's kind of what happened last uh, in the uh, two weeks ago. If you have Kelsey at first touchdown and Kansas City money line, that's plus 1100. Just sprinkle a couple bucks on that right there. I mean, that's good yeah. value. I know we did this last year because mm-hmm. the Eagles front seven, or I should say front four, was, you know, had an amazing year and they were like the sack kings. Mm-hmm. We, we did sack props. Like I think we had a San Reddick sack props to go over. And we did, yeah. Eagles famously had no sacks. Impressively. Oh, going back to the well this year. Chris Jones and Nick Bosa to Ooh. have at least a half a sack each is plus 340. I mean, a half sack, they just have to touch the guy. How hard could that be? In the vicinity. Well, yeah, we hit there. last year, but we're going back to the well this year. <laughs> That's a really good one. I um, I also think just because it's fun and because with last year's Super Bowl, it was very high scoring and I, I'm personally going to take the over in this game. I like, given how these two teams play, I really do like both teams to score a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in each half. And the odds are, I think, the best odds you could get for that at plus 15,000. So that's one of my like top five plays because... Look, with McCaffrey, Debo, Pacheco, all these guys and these two offenses with Shanahan and Kelsey, they're going to do some really fun stuff. I don't know who's going to be catching a pass, who could be running for a pass. I could see Mahomes running for a touchdown. I could see Kyle Juszczyk catching a touchdown. But for me, I think that if you want just to chase a fun bet and these two offenses are still helmed by great play callers, then why not chase that plus 15,000? That sounds pretty awesome, to be totally honest. Because yeah. if you put ten dollars on that, that's like it's an unbelievable <laughs> return. Yeah. The last one I have is if you like the Niners to win, mm-hmm. I think McCaffrey as the MVP at plus four forty is is really nice odds. Yeah, um, he I think he's the the third to best odds, but I just. And again, I really don't know what's going to happen in this game. I have, like, no idea. Like, I have no feel. But I, I just think if, you know, he could easily score twice and then all of a sudden, and if they win, like, he's the guy. 
I mean, yeah, I it's hard it, it's hard for me to see a way where they don't win because of McCaffrey. Now, obviously, he can get hurt, or the or it's just an absolute slugfest on defense because you know Purdy could have that bad game, and we know the Chiefs' offense has struggled. But I'm with you on that. If you'd like the Niners to win, I think the best value is McCaffrey to be the MVP. My my last one is based on just how the two teams have played in the postseason so far. I like Kansas City wins the fir- is winning at the first half, so Kansas City first half, but San Francisco wins the game, and then I've added the Niners total points and the on the over, which is twenty four and a half, and the Chiefs under total points, which is, which is twenty three and a half. So, as we've seen, Kansas City gets off to the hot start in the first half, but they've kind of been shut out or shut down at least in the second half versus the Niners, who are very slow in the first half, as we saw in their last two games, but have come on and you know. That team's a wagon, and when they get rolling, they're impossible to stop. So over 24.5 for them as total points, and Kansas City under 23.5 total points, and the Niners end up winning that game. That's at plus 27.80. But 25-22, basically, Chiefs don't cover the spread. You like the Chiefs plus 2.5, so. I do. I do. Look, I we're betting, we're betting with our hearts sometimes. Here, for me, I could see – I could I, well, it's 20 – under 23 and a half. So if it was 25 to 23, then we're set. It's true. You're right. That is true. You're set. Um, last thing about this. Um, Taylor Swift is going to be pro- uh, predominantly involved in this. Uh, obviously, she's dating Travis Kelsey. Everybody knows that. What's your take on the Taylor Swift um, discourse? I don't really care about it that much. I, she's not... I don't know. To me, she's not on the screen enough during the game that it's taken away from the game. You know, I don't get all the outrage to me. It's I don't so get it. Crazy. I don't get like, it. I find it so weird that people are so up in arms about like, she's the most famous woman in the world. Yep. Okay. She's dating the tight end on the Kansas city chiefs. Like she's going to be shown when she's yeah. at the games. What's the yeah. big deal? You're not missing any plays. Who the hell cares? Also, it's the Super Bowl where they're always going to be celebrities, so they're going to be showing plenty of other celebrities too. Yeah. So like, it, it's it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, do I think that the NFL loves it? Absolutely, because why wouldn't they? They're getting more eyeballs and more people are talking about them. More people are buying Chiefs gear, yada yada yada. I'm I'm happy for Travis and and Taylor. You know, I if I if I get an invite to the wedding, I wouldn't say no. Not saying I would, but you know, uh, I I think it's fine. People who don't like Taylor Swift. In this scenario, I, they're just looking for stuff to be mad about. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Be more mad that the two teams that almost everybody picked to to be in the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl are back in it. Maybe be more upset about that, not the fact that, you know, Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. All right, last, last question. If the Chiefs win, does Kelsey retire? If the Chiefs win, I would say Travis Kelsey does not retire. I'd say actually, regardless of outcome, Travis Kelsey does not retire. I think that as long as he can, he's going to maximize his time playing with Mahomes. I don't know. Something tells me that if they win, he hangs it up with his brother. He's got his health. He's made his money. Mm-hmm. Um, if if he is really in love with a a billionaire. Be be uh you know arm candy to uh to you know the most famous woman in the world. You have your health, enjoy it. 
he had an unbelievable run. But then again, I can see him coming out of retirement and doing the Gronk thing, and then exactly, yeah, that's who yeah. the hell knows. Yeah, exactly. But it'll it'll be interesting. All right, Avi, this was fun as usual. Uh, good stuff. Obviously, we're gonna have to talk about the Knicks and the Celtics going forward, but I'm super excited for this game. I think yeah. it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be an amazing game. Can't wait. Speak to you soon, bud. All the best. Thanks again to recurring guest Avi Wexer for coming on, talking about the Super Bowl, doing some prop bets. Always a fun podcast. Always a great guest. Just one quick thing before we end today's show. And obviously there has been a lot of discourse about the 65-game rule that the NBA instituted for postseason awards, whether it's MVP, whether it's All-NBA. And it obviously came to a head with the Joel Embiid injury news that he partially tore a meniscus and that he's going to be out for a while. And a lot of people are saying that Joel Embiid was pushing his body so that he could play the requisite amount of games to win back-to-back MVPs, all right? And that he was bullied into playing games, all right? Joel Embiid wasn't bullied into playing games, okay? He's a grown man who made a decision about his body to do what he's paid to do, play basketball, all right? Joel Embiid, and to his credit, he values the regular season more than a lot of guys do. So I give him credit for trying to play if he can play. And he got hurt. And that's sometimes what happens in professional sports. Guys get injured and are going to miss time. And so, no, he won't be able to win MVP. As for the 65-game rule, which a lot of people are saying are stupid because Joel Embiid was before this injury was in danger of just being under the threshold of games needed and that he was the front runner to win, but because of the games needed, you know what? Adam silver finally said enough is enough that the players need to be good business partners with the league in order for them to earn the money that they want to earn. And by him Putting this 65 games in is basically saying explicitly, listen, you guys have to cut the shit with the load management stuff. And yeah, I know it comes from the teams too and the ownership and the general managers. It's not just the players, but the players have let this go on way too long. This current crop of players is the least competitive crop of players in the history of the league. And part of this is on Adam Silver, too, because all he's wanted to do is be buddy-buddy with the players and basically be their partner. Adam Silver is not their partner. Adam Silver is part of their employer. So, yeah, do voters already take into account stuff like this when voting for MVP, All-NBA? Yeah, I think they do. So did they need it to be explicitly laid out for them? Yeah. I mean, how many times has a player won MVP playing less than 65 games? Bill Walton did it in 1978. Okay. Besides for him, who's the last guy to do it? It it doesn't really happen, but still – Silver needed to send a message because Silver's let the toothpaste out of the tube way too long. And now he's trying to put it back in when the NBA is going to be negotiating a TV contract. And he wants his players to play games that are televised on national television. 
Enough with the crying about the 65 games. 65 games is not that many games for an NBA player to play. When you're paid to play 82 games, to get to 65 for postseason awards is not asking a whole lot. It isn't. I, I mean, enough is enough already. The way we treat these guys, like they're paid to play basketball. If they can try and play basketball, they should try and play basketball. And injuries sometimes are a part of the game, and it sucks. It sucks for the Sixers this year. It sucks for Joel Embiid. He was the best player in the league before he got hurt. But enough is enough already, saying that this is unfair. It's not unfair. If the NBA players didn't take such advantage for years to the point where the TV networks may be pushing back and that they may not get the TV contracts that they want, so the salary cap will go down and the players' salaries will go down. If they weren't such bad business partners for so many years, and yes, Adam Silver allowed that, cultivated that culture, he wouldn't have to do this. But here we are. So this is just step one. And is it perfect? No, but it's step one. And there needs to be steps two and three. So stop whining about the 65 games and stop saying that Joel Embiid was bullied into playing. Like enough is enough already. Enough is enough. These guys are paid to play basketball. They should try to play basketball when they are able to play basketball. All right. With that said, that's episode 242 for the love of the game. Take us out, Dead Preds. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.